Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome, welcome Trey Fields. Trey is a co-founder with Gimbal. It is a community fitness app that connects you to personal training, facility rentals, and fitness experiences. Trey spent four years playing basketball at Yale. Um, his two co-founders played basketball at Hampton. And Gimbal started off as a as a separate app um, or separate um, business model. And, you know, through their due diligence and research and whatnot, realized that pivoting to where they are today was going to be a much better spot. It was a much higher demand item. So we really dive into, you know, how, how they went through some of their early stage testing, um, how they got customer feedback, which I thought was a, a unique take on it. Um, we integrated a little bit. You'll learn that Trey's got a, a few followers on TikTok and how he's been able to leverage that experience as well to support and help grow the business. Um, really fantastic interview. I mean, you'll, you'll hear early on that Trey and his co-founders are, are humble, um, but they're also hungry. They recognize some of the challenges that they face, and then they recognize the, the opportunity set that lies ahead of them. And just listening to him kind of light up in different parts of the interviews and, and tell us those stories along the way was, was, a, was an awesome podcast and really excited to be able to release this out to y'all and have, have, have everybody listen to it and, and understand and, and, and then be there to support Trey and his co-founders as, as Charlotte area founders to help their business grow and take off from here. So enjoy another edition of the Charlotte Angel Connection. Trey, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm really excited about digging in here and learning a little bit more about you. So thanks for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So um, good stuff. So as you know, um, we like to start off with that softball pitch. And if you've got, if you've got a 60 or 90 second elevator pitch, you want to give us about who Trey is. We're, uh, we're all ears. <laughs> I should have came, I should have came prepared. I was, I was ready for the jumbo elevator pitch, but, uh, <laughs> um, so cool. I'm a Charlotte, uh, native graduated from Charlotte Christian in 2015 graduated from Yale University in 2019. Uh, after that, I played professional basketball for three years, a little bit in the NBA G League, uh, had a season in Europe, in Denmark, which was a great time. And along the way, I have been building Jumble. And you can add a little bit of social media influencer in that as well. I'm a TikTok partner and have close to 800,000 followers on TikTok. So that's a bit of my day to day. And just a, a quick sidebar, what's it like to have 800,000 or I guess 1.6 million eyes on you whenever you post something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, I try and dissociate. I, I I just think it's not real. Um, that helps, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it just started as a way to showcase my athlete journey and it, it turned into something else. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Well, we'll dive back into that in a few minutes, but, um, so you've got, yeah, as you said earlier, you've got your your startup, um, Jimbo. Is that how you pronounce it? Correct. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of go back into the early days of its existence or the thought process of it. Really, where what's the 
what was the 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 shining light that kind of came on that led you to think hey wait a second maybe i should give this as a, a run as a business model yeah absolutely um so that goes back to 2019 it was my first pro season um i got drafted by the chicago bulls g league affiliate windy city so i was there in chicago in november and as the uh, small kid from yale he was the he was not the best on paper. Uh, so a couple of trades happened and I was sent back home just as quick as I got there. Uh, was still looking to continue playing basketball. So I was back home in Charlotte, except the only difference is I didn't have access to Charlotte Christian because wrestling, volleyball, winter sports season was in full effect. So for the first time, I had to kind of look for local athletic spaces to continue my training. And I had a host of difficulties communicating, booking, paying for these spaces. And that really had uh, that really kind of turned on the light bulb to, to just see where I could improve the space. And I guess I turned into a business. <laughs> it started off as a, as a personal pain point, And I realized a lot of other people and a lot of other sports verticals had similar issues. So. So personal pain point, can't find a gym to, to work out. You need to continue to work out to keep your skills sharp um, in case the phone call comes. Not every personal pain point is a business model though, right? So how'd yeah. you start to, um, some of your smart, smart kid too, right? So they didn't let me into Yale. So that means you're at least smarter than I am. Um, but uh, how did you start the the ideation process of, Hey, this, um, this is a business idea. It's a pain point for me. We're going to, um, if I'm going to explore it, this is how I'm going to explore it. How did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's worth noting that the original idea is not where Jimbal is currently. Um, we started out as a marketplace as the Airbnb for sports facilities. And in order to sort of validate that, uh, I Googled how to wireframe an app, mocked up designs and went door to door alongside uh, Akeem Mitchell, who's another Charlotte native. Uh, and we were just seeing who would believe in the proof of concept. If we build this, would you sign up and join the supply side of the marketplace? So our goal was 30 facilities in the area. And uh, we kind of just took that as enough proof on, hey, this is something that the market might need. However, um, always important to just recognize this shift in our business because that's not where we took off. Um, we took off by understanding that these spaces weren't running the most efficiently. They were using incorrect softwares to run their business, hair salon schedulers, Google Sheets, a host of Venmo, Cash App, et cetera. So we really looked to monetize the business after we had the short stint as a marketplace. And that's where the most um growth we've seen from a revenue perspective and just from a in, investable startup perspective as well so let's stay a little bit before the pivot mm -hmm. what was um creating the marketplace and talking to different facilities around town and potentially elsewhere what's the feedback that you were getting right how was um because clearly you're going to get some positive feedback um and you're going to get some negative feedback but um, how'd you take that 
um, the positive and negatives um, and use it to start to build out the business model? And then at what point in time did it become clear that, hey, wait a second, that's a really nice idea, but the bigger ideas and all the other stuff that they're doing wrong? Yeah, that's a great point. I think early on, we really just focused on the positives. We didn't waste time with people that pushed back on it. We were just trying to find the believers and we found enough of those to partner up with, to continue to take forward steps. Um, And then with the people that believed in us, we had more of a chance for customer discovery and understanding their pain points. So it was like, once we found that yes, then we took a dive into where could we improve upon that relationship rather than trying to convince people about something they needed. It was, you walk in, you're leaving with a yes or a no or a, or a comeback later. And we, you know, focused on the comebacks and the, in the yeses. Okay. Now that's a really interesting concept, right? I mean, um, you get told so many times as a startup founder that you have to listen to people tell you that your baby's ugly. Um, but y'all kind of listened to people that told you your baby was pretty and then took a dive into that concept and said, Hey, wait a second. Um, our baby's pretty, but it could be prettier. How can we make it prettier? Right. Um, exactly. which is a unique concept. So, um, Akeem's, um, with you now, right. He's a co-founder of yours. Yes. Akeem Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So, um, what were the early days like for the two of y'all? Yeah. Um, so he graduated from Hampton university with a degree in business management um, I think a little bit more on the creative design and, and branding sort of front. So the early days were me just like, you know, what does a business plan look like? <laughs> like I really had no idea really what I was doing as far as uh, setting up this, this entity. Um, and he was very helpful with that. He's also very, he's a people person. So sales process, customer um, relationships, customer service, he kind of led that front. So we really were complimentary with each other. Um, however, two people that are non-technical co-founders that can't code can only do but so much. So enter in uh, Devin Oakley, our CEO, um, who also played at Hampton University. And when Devin was in college, he started a web and mobile app development startup and they shipped you know, several hundred thousand dollars in, in mobile app projects successfully. So we felt like he was, even though he was not technical as well, he was um, the project lead for all of his college work. And we felt really comfortable um, to be able to outsource that that wireframe that I mocked up in the designs. So we outsourced it between, um, uh, well, we bootstrapped it between ourselves and some friends and family and got that MVP up to to go live with, you know, Devin's guidance and him kind of taking the reins on, on the dev build out. So the MVP is an interesting stage, right? So, um, you've put it out there, but you know, it's not the final product. How'd y'all, um, how'd y'all handle the MVP? How did it progress? Um, yeah. And, and, and morph and, and eventually start its pivot process. Yeah. And you, you know, the phrase, if you're not embarrassed by your MVP, you waited too late to to launch it. And that was, <laughs> uh, when people talk about the MVP, I'm like, no, put that thing away, put it on the shelf. <laughs> um, but that's where we, that's where we initially had, you know, we, we had ideas on this might not look like what we originally thought it would be. And what I mean by that is 
we onboarded these spaces for the purpose of renting their turf field, their court, their dance studio space. And that was it. And the customers that we onboarded were mentioning things like, Hey, I have a Saturday morning, all women's group class. Can I list that as a bookable option on this platform? This seems like a good booking mechanism. And can I list cryo? Like I have a cryo tank. We had a conversation with, you know, Ray farms, the, the uh, restore uh, location. And it was just more and more demand from, from uh, individual listings and group workouts uh, sort of uh, aspect of it. And we literally just plugged and played and, Instead of renting the space, it was purchasing a a one hour group class lot, and we just kind of changed it on the back end, which was a mess. Uh, and but it worked, right? Like we we did what we had to do with what we had, and it was pretty cool. So that unlocked a lot of uh, GMV for us. So we ended up facilitating uh, over fifteen thousand um, dollars in transactional volume on, with that expanded sort of booking capability. Um, and rentals is, is what we've learned is, you know, a smaller piece of the total uh, fitness training and sports training market. So thank God <laughs> we listened and and expanded our offering. So in the first couple, when they were saying, hey, can can you do this? Can you do this? We were like, no, 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 that's not what we do. Um, and then the feedback kept coming back. Hey, you, can you do this? Can you do this? And say, well, wait a second, guys, maybe we should start doing that instead. Exactly. It made us ask, well, are you not happy with what you currently have? Like, what are you, what are you booking on now? I'm using a hair salon app. I'm using this fine local services marketplace. And we just realized those platforms didn't understand the the business model of the spaces that we were serving. How different are the business models? Or are they so similar that it's not that it really can be a a, a single back engine that's really um, yeah facilitating it across all of those different types of businesses? That's a great question. Um, if you don't understand the space. It, it can seem very nuanced and you honestly might not be able to pick up on it, but just to explain it, um, a lot of trainers function on the bundles model. So they'll sell an athlete, a pack of 10 classes and the other uh, platforms that they're using are just slots for one off. So now they're using Google sheets to track who's paid them. How many bundles do they have left? throw in a membership to that, throw in the ability to rent the space. It's just like a very, it's a, it's a very complex web, but once you understand it, you know, as former athletes, like all of us were, it just made sense on how to design it. So that's what I say is we problem solved through design of the platform to where it just makes sense. And these people feel seen and they have a platform that they don't have to think about how to rig for their current business. So that's awesome. Um, uh, head back into the way back time machine with me. Jimbo started in what year? What year uh, did? Yeah, 2019, uh, I guess, was ideation 2019. Yeah. So you're knocking on doors asking about the marketplace around what time? 2020. And 2020. Mind you, COVID. So, gosh, no. Yeah, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. It, it took some some persistence, right? You can't just walk into a space and have a face-to-face -face conversation. So uh, as you know, COVID took a while to kind of dissipate to where people were comfortable opening their doors back. And we used that time to just plan out what life would look like post-COVID. And that was our bet that people would return to community spaces to 
work out and train. And we didn't believe in the whole world is going virtual. We knew people weren't going to work out in their living room forever, right? Like it might still be popular for some people. However, we bet on the rebound. So we kind of planned for that. So you, uh, you use that time period from uh, 2020 with COVID as an opportunity to kind of revisit where you were um, and how you were going to come out of that time period um, and launch coming out of that, right? Yeah, exactly. So we took 2020 with COVID and customer discovery, getting LOI signed um, to 2021, building our MVP. So we were finally in the market in 2021. And we ran from July to December of 2021 with that original marketplace model. And thanks to my TikTok, uh, my following is sports and fitness, young athletes, active lifestyle adults who just enjoy sports. Uh, a couple posts about Jimble on there, and we had thousands of downloads overnight. People were downloading it saying, Jimble sucks. Uh, you guys aren't in Minnesota yet. You guys aren't in Alabama. Um, but on the supply side, we unlocked a sales pipeline of businesses who were interested in joining the platform. And from what we had begun to learn that their current software wasn't good enough or wasn't the right fit, we were more excited about that B2B opportunity. So we ran the beta for six months. That's where we generated the 15,000 in GMV, 5,000 user app downloads, um, a 34% rebook rate in Charlotte, which was exciting. It meant our product was you know, pretty sticky and the people that were using it were coming back and liking it. Um, we took that and, and kicked off a pre-seed to build what we have now, Jimble, the, the software for sports and fitness trainers and facilities. That's awesome. So uh, 22 advances quickly. Um, and what, um, from y'all's perspective, what was, um, what was 2022 like, right? What'd you, what'd you morph into as the business continued to grow? And then talk a little bit about from there, we'll talk a little bit about the end of last year and into so far here in 2023 as well. Cause as you've shared on social media, you've got some pretty exciting news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the the part that people don't talk about as entrepreneurs or the story that you won't hear everywhere is like how much resilience you need to have when your idea is not moving as fast as you would like it to. It can feel very hopeless sometimes and you have to keep showing up. So our current software was supposed to be done Sometime in 2022, we'll just say that. And for reference, we just launched in December of 2022. <laughs> it was supposed to be done way before December. However, you know, we weren't technical. We outsourced and there's just bumps in the road sometimes. So um, that just led us to have to figure out how to stay relevant. Um, and what we did is we continue to work on our sales pipeline getting pre-sales. So we made a job form to just say, this is what we have coming soon. Would you be interested a demo pre-sale? So we'd have that card info on file that we could be ready to swipe when it's time to go and circle back down the line. But we did that just to maintain some sort of forward progress to ourselves and to out potential outside investors, to potential accelerators that just want to see progress. So it's like when your plan A progress doesn't work, or it doesn't work in the timeline you'd like it to, how else can you continue to move forward? And that was a, the kind of lesson of 2022. And I'm glad we stuck with it because, uh, yeah, we finished pretty strongly. 
So you finished 2022 with some exciting news. What was that exciting news? Yeah, absolutely. So we're currently a part of the Tech Stars Anywhere class of 2023. Um, and we love having the Tech Stars network in our corner. They will be immensely helpful for us from everything from fundraising to learning how to build a better tech company um, to founder wellness is a huge one for me is taking care of yourself as a, as an entrepreneur and founder. So um, we're really excited to, to finish uh, the program, which is, it ends in April. So you've been a part of the program now, what, for four weeks, give or take, is that right? Yeah. Okay. What's um, what are you already learning? How's it, how's it benefiting y'all as you, as you go through the program? Absolutely. Um, there's a laundry list of things, but I think when it comes to just running a good company, uh, making data driven decisions is huge for us, right? Like we were running around trying to, you know, just trying to speak to anybody who would listen to us, but were we tracking that in the best way? How do we improve from, and how do we learn from those previous conversations? What systems do we put in place to do more faster? That's kind of their uh, tagline. Um, so we're learning how to do a lot very quickly, how to iterate, whether it's on your product or the way you are speaking to customers when you're selling, um, to different marketing strategies. Um, so that's on the business side. And I think on the just founder to founder side, it's a very lonely journey, right? You have your co-founders or if you're a solo founder, you're, you're out of luck, um, but it's us versus the world and Techstars creates a space where you can talk to 11 other companies, right? There's 12 of us in this cohort on a weekly basis and, and be able to empathize and, and hear what they're going through and know that, okay, this isn't the biggest fire in the world because two other companies in our cohort are doing, going through the exact same thing. So that is a huge boost for our morale and just staying on the journey because you can get punched along the way and it's tough sometimes. You can definitely get punched along the way. That's for sure. <laughs> co-founders, yeah. right? So you've got the, your two co-founders you've known for a while, right? Mm -hmm. So not every conversation with co-founders goes smoothly. Um, and then at the same time on the other end of it, having co-founders is immensely helpful a lot of the times, right? So um, how have y'all navigated as, as kind of, I don't want to say maybe childhood friends, but at least long-time friends as being co-founders from that perspective, right? How's that, how's that relationship developed? Yeah. Has anybody gotten beat up yet? <laughs> no fights, no, no fights, no physical, no physical fights. We have, our, <laughs> you know, we argue like, you know, brothers would sometimes and we care. Like at the end of the day, we know we care. And um, I actually just said this the other day. I was like, you know, we all played sports. We know how to separate how you say something versus what you say for the betterment of the company. So yeah, college sports was a high energy level and so can co-founder conversations. Um, but I think it comes down to uh, respect for each other's work ethic, uh, respect for the value that they bring to the table. We all are complimentary. This jumble doesn't look like it does without Dev and Akeem and myself doing what we do. So yeah as long as there's respect and an agreed uh, North star, right? Like we always have the conversation. Okay. What is our end goal? What do we want here? Are we working towards it? Yes or no. 
Um, does this idea support that North Star, yes or no? Um, and you have to understand how to separate the emotion of your ideas at the best at the right time from uh, that team effort to get towards the goals. So let's stay with that. I want to come back to like tech stack and, and the business and whatnot, but let's stay with the, the athlete conversation for a second. Um, how has being or how was being a college athlete for each one of y'all um, and a professional athlete for you? Um, how, how was that different or how has that helped as a founder, right? Like what, what things did you, what, core values or core understanding of the world did you pick up as an athlete that was an easy transition over to the business world? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and people say like athletes make great hires, I think because of that team mentality, which I didn't even understand there was a world that didn't think in terms of team, right? Like from birth, I'm used to being on a team. So we, you know, our merch, our Jimbo shirts say the Jimbo team on the front. And I think that's a very important framework. Uh, it just, it just makes sense. Like, and I guess just to answer some, some more specific things, showing up to practice every day is no different than hopping on our standup Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9am and uh, you have a game coming up. Okay. What is the objective? What's the game plan, right? What's the scouting report on that player is the same thing as what is the scouting report on that business across the street? Uh, what do they like? What do they do? It's, it's just all so similar. I think it provides a great framework on uh, how to achieve success. Uh, so, yeah, I hope that answers the question. No, it does. Um, the benefits of being an athlete um so and the network of players that you've played with against etc um how beneficial is that as well yeah that's i'll say that's going to be very big um i don't want to speak too much on it however um and the reason why is because i believe we have to yes we should leverage our network and leverage our connections but i think we have to go and earn it and make it easy for people to help us. I don't want to be out here asking for handouts and shout outs before um, the time is right, because once you capitalize on that moment, it can do wonders for you. But if it's too early, sometimes you miss that chance. You miss that intro. Um, so yeah, we're one or two calls from players in every pro sporting uh, league. You know, they're friends of mine, they're friends of the team. Our cap table has six plus current and former uh, NBA investors and our advisors are connected to ownership groups with pro sports teams. So it's going to be very good for us. We just need to show up and do the work to make sure we can earn that, uh, you know, make everyone who introed us happy that they did it and, and feel good about it. So soon. What was the fun? Um, so stay there for a second, since you mentioned cap table, right? What's the uh, what's the fundraising process like? So you've done a pre-seed so far, right? Is that the only round y'all done? Mm -hmm. um, what was that? Uh, um, what was that like? What'd you learn in the process, right? What was the? Um, did you enjoy it? Do you you know some some folks enjoy the 
the thrill of the chase and other folks, as we were talking about earlier, um, hate, um, hate it. I mean, I hate technology, um, because it always seems to work against me. Um, so did you, did you hate the fundraising process? Did you enjoy it? Or are you looking forward to the next round or, um, how do y'all view that? Or do you hand that off to somebody else? I think people view fundraising the same way they view dating. So whatever your answer is for dating, it's probably the same as fundraising. Um, it's all relationships, especially in the pre-seed round. Um, because a lot of our funding is from angels, high net worth angels. So, um, yeah, it, it's important again. And I, and I spoke on this earlier to not spend time convincing people that your idea is the best, find the people that would already understand your idea and be happy to support it financially to maybe they, to where they have some incentive. So if you are someone who owns multiple sports facilities, let's say you own a franchise, uh, a couple locations in, in Charlotte, and you're a high net worth individual who understands it, you're going to invest in this product because it's going to help you out. And you know exactly where to push it out within your network to um, increase your investment. So finding the yeses is more important than, you know, getting the people who are skeptical to, to believe in you and invest in you at this early stage. Yeah, no, great advice. Technology, as I mentioned earlier, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, it sounds like y'all's technology last year took a little bit of time to develop as well. Um, you found an outsourced solution. So um, you've got a technical co-founder that helps you through that, right? So, which is super helpful. Um, just talk a little bit about um, like outsourcing the tech and not in a bad way, right? I mean, every company, um, you know, struggles through getting the MVP or getting the the first iteration out there. But what was that process like for y'all? How'd y'all find the outsource solution? And, and then how did the process go last year? And does it lead you to wanting to bring it in-house? Um, and just some of those things that y'all have talked about internally as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't remember exactly how we found our outsource partner. It was a product of our CEO, Dev, and his understanding of good web and mobile development firms. Um, but we did pitch them. So it was a little bit of a different model. Um, they invested in us to build our product. So they came in on our pre-seed round as well for part of the development. So that was huge as far as reducing the amount of money we needed to get our product off the ground. Um, and then to answer your question on bringing it in-house, yeah, that's something we are doing right now. Uh, to take a step back, we added a fourth uh, you know, founding team member who is a full-stack developer, superstar. He's at Johnson & Johnson currently, and he was able to essentially hold hands with our outsource team along the way so that he has an understanding of the product. You know, He'll be that chief product officer and owner and, and be able to manage uh, our consultant engineers who come on you know, now into the near future. So he has a great relationship with the product and he doesn't have the pressure of building it himself. So we were thinking about that transition far before uh, it was, cause you know, if you pay someone to build it, now you're like, wait, I need to like do everything at once to, to hand it off. And we, and by we, I mean, you know, Devin's foresight, understanding that we need to get someone on our team to, to walk through this build uh, alongside our how'd, how'd you find that? Right. And so 
Um, so you've got Devin that obviously is going to know what he's looking for and, and whatnot, but what was the process of finding that person like for y'all easy process? Did you find somebody local in Charlotte too, or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, through, through Devin's network and I'd say just general advice to all the aspiring entrepreneurs, when you want to bring in somebody and you're using your network, don't just bring in somebody because you like them, bring them in because they have a skill set that complements, you know, what you're doing and supports a weakness that you have. If you bring in two people that are the same and stack them on top this early, it's like, it's very pointless. So, um, yeah, just looking at our network and seeing who is a, a believer in the vision of what we're building and B, who, who has a complementary skill set. And the last thing I'll say, which is something I'm pretty passionate about as just, uh, you know, African-American uh, entrepreneur, it's Black History Month as well. Like our community doesn't know where to start with this, right? Like go find a developer sounds crazy unless you've been in a space to where it just makes sense. So I'm definitely looking forward to as I grow as, as a startup founder and business owner is, is making my community more aware of the options on how to even get this ball rolling. Um, so that's, yeah, I think that's huge. And we take it for granted just from us being high performers in college and having these connections, but it's not a reality for everybody. You've mentioned network a couple of times, right? And we were introduced, um, I don't know, three months ago by Todd Bulow, who um, has a rather large network and, you know, lives by the servant leadership model. So um, you've developed the network even before starting and, and founding Jimble, but how important has your network been to you? And how do you, how do you continue to benefit that network so that it benefits you when you need it. Yeah, that's a great point. I am very conscientious of the asks I make from my network. And I, I believe I need to be able to add more value than I, than I take. I think that's a personal philosophy. Everyone has their own levels for what that looks like for them. Um, but it's just offering my time, my expertise, and that happens to be in social media for a lot of people. So if it's an athlete that I'm, and I don't want to paint this as transactional, but it's kind of how the world works. Sometimes it's like you maintain relationships by just giving value and, and thinking of nothing in return. Um, so if it's an athlete, Hey, let's talk about your social strategy. Are you monetizing? Are you getting the right brand deals? What are your thoughts on that? Have you thought about that? So I offer myself up just because I think it's important to do. I've been blessed to have you know, this level of, of success with socials. So that's my way to maintain relationships. I care about how other people um, perform digitally, uh, but just anything like just offering myself up and not thinking of anything in return. And oftentimes it comes back around and it just works out um, to where you end up being able to take something back from your network that you've cultivated. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't know, but, uh, um, such a, a the network effect is such a huge effect right um and it goes back you know i told you i wanted to circle back around to it I and mean, you started your tiktok channel i don't know how many years ago but um you know life's life's a series of building upon itself right um and and then you, you had your tiktok channel on a huge amount of followers and you were able to leverage that 
um, that following group or the, um, the, the folks to, to follow you when you, you put the message out about Jimbo, um, what was the original catalyst on the, on starting the, is it just, do you, is it just TikTok or are you on the other platforms who whatever the Instagram and the other ones as well, but what was the catalyst behind that? And then how did you, how did you nurture it and grow it and let it kind of become its, its own sensation kind of, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it all goes back to what is your North star, right? Like what is your why essentially uh, a business? Why might look a little bit different than a personal social media outlet. Why? Uh, but for me, it was always rooted in transparency and adding value back to the people that I care about. Um, so it started off with me just being upfront about what it looks like when you're cut from your first NBA opportunity and building it like a build in public approach, right? Like you're along for this ride with me and I'll touch on some bad, I'll touch on some good and I'll tell you how to learn from where I'm at. And uh, people navigate to that. People can feel when you're selling something, right? That's why I'm so cautious of when I do sell or have like a call to action with anything I post. Um, Cause I always think you just need to give value and then you can align something that you care about and, and sort of sell, but it won't feel like it because you have that trust. Um, and you've been such a, a guiding figure for a couple of years. Like I have people reach out to me via Instagram DM and they'll say, like, Hey, I've been following you since 2019. Like, it's cool to see you growing up and, and navigating this new chapter. So um, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit, bit more of that post-athlete career, right? Now it's just being transparent about what it looks like to build a startup and get resources that are out there for people that are interested. Man, most people get um, kind of kicked um, or um, get knocked down um, and they go hide in a closet and you get cut from, you get cut and you, you pull up a TikTok page and you start sharing the entire experience with the world. Um, so I mean, you think about that in relationship, right? Not scared to talk about failure. Um, super beneficial for startups, not that the startup's gonna fail, but there's a series in life and in, in a in a business model of successes and failures, right? And constantly being able to share that becomes a learning process. Um, did you realize that at the time, or are you just trying to be open and honest? Yeah, man. I think everything happens for a reason, right? Like if I don't get cut uh, in November, 2019, then I don't. So when I got cut, I went to Dallas, Texas. And I went to Dallas, Texas to train because I was embarrassed. I didn't want to show my face in Charlotte, right? They gave me a one-way flight. And I was like, I'm not going home because everyone was just cheered, cheered me on back home. I'm not showing up at the gym. And they're like, didn't you just get picked up? So uh, that time in Dallas was very formative and it was pre-Jimble. Um, but after the two weeks went by, three weeks, and I got another opportunity and things like that on the horizon, I, I just didn't like that hide in the closet feeling. I was like, this, it's not going to get me any closer to where I want to be. So why, like, at least let me just be open about it. I'll feel better about myself or something. So I learned that, right? There's no such thing as failure right before I got the idea for what Jimbo could be. So I think it was very uh, divine timing on that. Yeah. So um, 
you mentioned it earlier, you know, being a startup founder is hard enough in and of its own, right? Um, the number of minority and African-American startup founders um, that also get funded um, is extraordinarily low. So how um, how are y'all overcoming that? And then to your point earlier, obviously, as you overcome it and create that success, um, you'll, you'll help those behind you. Cause that's the kind of person you are, but in the interim, right? Like, how are y'all, how are y'all overcoming that as a team? I shouldn't say overcoming it. I mean, it is overcoming it though, right? It is. So yeah. How are y'all overcoming it? Yeah. It goes back to resilience and I'm gonna be honest, like it is really hard to keep showing up and hearing no. Uh, there's a, there's one element that, uh, startup founders, it's hard to get VC funding, period. Like, that's just the way it is. And then you amplify that with being black in this industry. Uh, you just have to have thick skin. And I'm not speaking from a place of we've overcome, we figured it out. We have to keep trying. <laughs> like, And I do think there's people in the space that are um, really trying to change it institutionally and, and create these opportunities, create these channels. Um, but, you know, we can't fix it for everyone yet. The only thing I can do is, is show up and, and make the people that invested in us happy they did. And I think that can help open up the pipeline for the people that come after me. And, you know, if someone decides to start a business because they saw me start one, hopefully, you know, they can use my network or it's a little bit easier for them to, to, to have that uh, signal from investors that they are worth investing in as well. So, yeah. So, We've got about five to seven minutes left. So let's talk about the future of Jimbo, right? So where do you go from here? What's um, what's the 2023 vision or execution plan for y'all to kind of tackle and, and run? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have the product, we have the team. Now we just need to execute. And what that looks like is really understanding who our 100% customer is, right? Where can we go in the country that we walk into this facility or talk to this trainer and know that this is the product for them and it's a layup, so to speak, right? Like a very easy sell. Um, so continuing to hone in on that 100% customer happens when you have a thousand conversations. You can see all the data points and, and really understand where your product market fit is. So uh, I feel good about where we're at. We have great uh, core clients. We're understanding about, we're understanding how to help them better and how to improve because that'll help us sell to the next person. So um, for me personally, as the CMO, um, how can I increase the number of leads across the country um, every single day? Uh, a mix of digital strategy, um, whether it's organic or paid marketing, and then a huge thing for us is going to be trade shows. So I just recently mapped out all of the conventions um, across the country in 2023 that Jimble needs to be at. And trade shows will be big for us. They were big for us uh, a year before when we were still like pre-product, but we were getting, you know, pre-sales um, because that is where these decision makers are. Uh, and they're ready to find new tech. They're ready to adopt new practices to be a better business. And that's where we come in and, can really uh, have, find uh, find great clients. So, how's um how 
um, how big can the, I mean, how big can y'all, how big can y'all get? Um, and how far do y'all, um, how far do you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's, that is a huge question. I want to focus on the, the near future first, right? Cause I, Are you going to you, give me the one game at a time athlete speech real quick here, Trey? <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, I just, uh, you know, I don't want to let all the sauce out. We have yeah. a huge we have a huge vision for what it can be. Um, but for the immediate future, um, just market size, right? There will be in the next few years, 400,000 personal trainers across sports verticals or just regular fitness, and then 150,000 boutique athletic or fitness facilities. And just to make numbers real, if there's, if we have 500 clients at our top tier, we're doing over a million in revenue. And you know, 500 sounds like nothing until you have one event where you pick up 60. <laughs> so, um, well, 500 sounds like a lot until you pick up that. So, uh, just being ready to capture, um, the market when we get in front of them. So we're just positioning ourselves to have the, the onboarding processes in the right place, because we're going to get our five seconds of fame, so to speak, right. We're going to go viral again, thanks to my social media, and we're going to be in front of a lot of people. So the better we can position ourselves to catch all the potential dollars, the better we'll be. It's going to be a great year. No, it sounds like it. You mentioned the network, or we talked a little bit about network effect earlier. So as we start to wrap up, what can the Charlotte network do for y'all, right? What resources do y'all need as founders in the Charlotte marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think intros to any of our, you know, target market clients, whether they are a sports trainer, whether they manage, operate, own a fitness facility. Um, we're trying to explore a pilot with uh, the city of Charlotte, a mech. So if anyone's listening to this, tell them to uh, respond quicker to emails. We've been back and forth for a while. Um, but yeah, we have a product that can really help the city. Um, I think we can bring a level of innovation to where people look at Charlotte and what our government is doing on the parks and rec side, or just in general and say, Hey, these people have new tech. That's young. It's fun. It's innovative. It's great to book on. It's great for the businesses. Um, we feel really good about what we have. So anybody in that lane, um, I, I love intros and it will definitely make you proud for, for doing so. Uh, and outside of that, just continued uh, fundraising, right? Like you're, you're not fundraising, but you always are. So even though we're currently like not, we can definitely have conversations and see where things align. Is that on the 2023 roadmap? A fundraise? Yeah. 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 For sure. Seed round. So. So you'll be back out on the circuit before too long then, right? We'll be back on the trails. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun though. It's, it's cool, man. That's awesome. Well, man, it's, um, uh, it's been, it's been fun talking with you today and it's been neat kind of, um, I've, I've watched some of your videos on TikTok and, um, and Instagram kind of in preparation for this. And, uh, you are, you could see it on the, on those and, and, you know, right. You're extraordinarily real in those videos, which I think is, is super helpful as a founder, right? Cause I think a lot of founders end up, um, not being as real as they should be. And you could tell in the videos that you were going to be, um, that you were real in those and you were going to be real in the conversation today. So, um, and I think that candidness, um, is, is super helpful for y'all success as y'all continue to go forward. So, um, 
congratulations on the success so far. That's really neat. I'm super thrilled that y'all got into Techstars. I think that's going to be really, really beneficial for y'all as y'all continue to grow from here. Um, and good luck as you continue to push forward. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So, thanks, man. does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and the opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.